about scientists and politicians is how do we get more voices, different modalities, different ways of speaking and acting. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Master Pods. My name is Rachel and in this second season of the podcast we talk with sustainability professionals from around the world to find out more about how they ended up where they are today. Today, I am very excited to speak with Anitra Paris. Anitra is a policy analyst at Barclay Project Group, and I will let her fill you in on what all that entails. Hey, Anitra, how are you? Hello, I am well. Excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, really excited to have you on the show. So let's just dive right in. So we'll start with a few personal questions, and then we'll move on to questions about your work. So to start with, which organization do you work for, and what is your role? Yeah, so I'm currently working at Barclay Project Group, and they're a project management firm that's located on Vancouver Island. And what they really focus on is sustainable economic development and a really big focus on remote communities. And their whole MO is bringing projects from idea to operation. So it's a very community-centric approach. And my role as policy analyst is just trying to be aware of the bigger market conditions that could be impacting, you know, how the project is going to go. So when you're looking for funding and the different policy decisions that will impact renewable energy development, um, that's a really big part of my role as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's super interesting. So what are your day-to-day tasks exactly? Uh, Right now, it's extremely funding focused, uh, just because funding comes in you know, waves or cycles. So you'll have a deadline and you're really working towards that. On my day-to-day, besides that, a lot of scanning the media, knowing what's going on in government, um, because that's where those big decisions are coming from. Renewable energy is really closely linked to, not just renewable energy, but energy in general is really closely linked to what the government's directions are. And also with climate policy. So as those keep changing federally and then provincially, Uh, It it is going to impact the industry overall. So my day-to-day is scanning the media and then also building relationships with our clients. So how did you end up in this position? I actually ended up here because Barclay Project Group is a member of the industry association that I was working at before Clean Energy BC. So that organization had about 100 different members that are involved in the renewable energy industry in British Columbia, and Barclay Project Group was one of them. That's funny. So you're just kind of stepping stone from one to the next. Yeah. And I actually love the story of it because my boss, uh, who's the president of Barclay Project Group, actually started by volunteering at Clean Energy BC as well. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It's a small industry. So people are very connected that way. Yeah. So when you were 15, did you see yourself in the position that you're in today or in a similar position? I think about this a lot. And I don't think that I did see myself in this role, frankly, because I didn't know that this type of role existed. I feel like when I was in high school, a lot of what I thought about career was those really stereotypical, like, okay, you're a doctor, okay, you're a teacher, and those types of careers that have a very set trajectory. So I don't think I knew that I was going to be in this type of role because I didn't know how to describe what this career would look like. (laughs) That's so interesting. I find that too. Now, you know, starting up in the working world, you see that actually there's so much flexibility in different positions and in different career choices out there. Mm -hmm. So do you actively incorporate sustainability into your life? (laughs) I always go back and forth on this one. I do 
incorporate in my life. But sometimes I question how big of an impact it really makes, especially when coming to emissions. I think that you need to lead by example. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that it's wrong to put all of that onus on the individual. I want systems where people can just make the right choice and the overall impact should be, you know, linked to that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's difficult, right? Because then you also go back to talking about the individual and what impact they have on corporations and government, right? Each individual should be putting that pressure on the corporations and government to make those differences. So, you know, it doesn't make a difference just from an individual standpoint, but I guess if you have enough individuals pushing in the right direction, then it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very iterative. So what is your top sustainability tip or piece of advice then? <laughs> I think going back to what we were just talking about um, with it being iterative and kind of that compounding action, I really do think that voting makes such a big impact. Um, if you vote somebody into office who truly cares about the environment and truly cares about climate change, that is going to make an impact. Absolutely. That's a great tip. So do you have a favorite sustainability resource that you inform yourself through? I'm huge on green tech media podcasts. I'm obsessed. I listen to them so much. Uh, So there's Interchange, The Energy Gang, What It Takes. um, And What It Takes is a really interesting one because they they interview top level CEOs of well-to-do renewable energy companies and talk about their stories and how they got there. So not only are you learning a lot about the industry, but then you're also learning about the people who are involved in it, which I think is a really, you know, the people angle is really interesting. Um, My only complaint about it is that it's very American focused. So as a Canadian, sometimes it's nice to try to find some content that's specific to your country too. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is hard because I think there's a lot of podcasts that are very America centric. And I mean, thank goodness he's out of office, but we're very Trump centric. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so there's the two Canadian ones I love. There's one called Arc Energy Institute. So Peter Tazakian is really amazing. His whole philosophy around the type of information that he likes to produce. So he has a podcast. He was more of an author before, but then was thinking that people weren't consuming the media by reading his books as much. So he has podcasts and then he has this really interesting website called The Energy File. And essentially it's like looking at energy transition stories. And he's kind of like an energy historian. I didn't know that about him. I listened to his podcast, but I had never heard that background. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I went to a really interesting session that he was leading in Vancouver. And it it just blew my mind all the different stories and artifacts he had because, you know, everybody's life is connected to energy. And that's what's so interesting about it is it's, you know, it's part climate change, but it's also just something that you need to live. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That is very interesting. Did you have another one? I think you said two podcasts. Oh, yeah. The other one, CBC actually does some really amazing stuff. Uh, I've been listening to What on Earth, and that's really good. (laughs) And that's not just energy. It's like a little bit more diverse, right? Like I feel like sometimes I go really heavy on the energy and I'll be working on energy all day and then I'll like wake up listening to energy and go to bed listening (laughs) to it. So it's a bit much. (laughs) Well, that's great. Those are great. Um, I will definitely check out What on Earth because I've heard it, you know, here and there on the radio, but I'll have to add them as a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Great, great tips. Um, so let's move on to questions about your work. So what do you like about your job? What I love about my job is that it's very dynamic. I feel like things are changing all the time. 
Um, and that just means that it's never boring because you always have to be readjusting and trying to be very strategic about the way that you're working. And the other thing I like about it is that it's, it is making an impact. Like renewable energy is a really fantastic solution and it's working directly towards addressing climate change. Absolutely. So is there a particular project that you found most memorable? I just started in this job, so I don't know if I have one in this specific role, but my previous job with Clean Energy BC, I worked on organizing uh, this big conference called Generate. And that was always really rewarding because you were kind of working up to this big moment and it was taking all this time and, you know, you're bringing together 450 people and then the response you get and the feedback you get is so positive and it's just this great energy of bringing all these people together in this really diverse industry um, while also creating these learning opportunities. So I really enjoyed that element, bringing everyone together, sharing these success stories, sharing the struggles. Um, Mm -hmm. Love that every year. It was great. Very stressful, but very great. Yeah, sounds so rewarding. So to flip the coin, there is some growing concern among consumers and in the media these days about the topic of greenwashing. So is this a problem that you've ever encountered in your line of work? Yeah, when it comes to this point, I think there's two things that really stand out to me. Mm -hmm. And one, so not specific to renewable energy, but the energy industry in general, the greenwashing around natural gas, I find very fascinating. There's renewable energy and then there's clean energy. And even those terms are a bit loose. So people describe natural gas as a clean energy and it's actually pretty high in emissions. So I just think that it really depends on who you're talking to. But I think the way that natural gas has been marketed to people, it definitely is meant to see a little seem a little bit more clean and low impact than it is. That's fair. I think at least from what I've understood and also coming from Alberta, I have my biases of course because we're oil and gas country here, but it is kind of a transition fuel, if you know what I mean. That's what I understand of it at least. Is it's not the be all end all because there are emissions associated with it, but you know, we have the infrastructure set up and everything and if we want to move towards 100% renewables, then we have to find a way to ease that transition without cutting off supply, you know, making sure we can have constant supply. Mm-hmm. I think it's more about like the marketing side of it. I like, I understand it's a transition fuel, but I think where, where it gets confusing for people is if they don't understand like what it physically is, right? Like, it's like, like, oh, like it's like this methane, but then, you know, like it's, you're getting down to like, what, what is it actually made of? <laughs> so it's just like an, a general energy literacy thing, I suppose. Yeah. I understand where you're coming from there. Yeah. And then the other thing around greenwashing, but I guess it's not really greenwashing. I think it's more around how do you explain things like virtual power plants? And like, you know, there's certain things within the renewable energy industry where it's a bit confusing. Like, I think that that's the other element that is hard. You know, people are like, oh, I'm, I'm buying this renewable energy. But like when they flip their switch, it's not as if that electron is what's coming through (laughs) (laughs) if that makes sense it's like a there's like a disconnect between like the physical and the financial yeah I think I know what you mean yeah Mm -hmm. so do you have any upcoming projects that you are excited about in your new position yeah so Barclay Project Group has been involved in a couple projects that are 
really far down the line in terms of development, which is exciting. So Fort Nelson First Nations is working on a geothermal project, which would be fantastic for the region. And Chief Charlene Gale up there has been really advocating for this project and they've secured most of the funding. So if that goes forward, I'm really looking forward to that happening. (laughs) And it's great because, you know, the energy is from an old gas well that has since dried up. So the community was had those jobs before, and now they're looking forward to potentially revitalizing that site and having other jobs. Um, and then not only producing electricity, but also using the heat for greenhouses so that there's better food up in that area that increases the food security and also brings down the prices. So that's exciting. And then the other one that's really exciting that Barclay has been working on is there's hydropower project out at Hot Spring Cove. And that's the Atap Creek hydro project by Hesequit First Nation. And that one is being constructed. So when that finally comes into operation, I think that that will be a really exciting moment as well. Mm -hmm. That is very exciting. Yeah, lots of good stuff happening. Mm -hmm. That geothermal one just got me really excited because I wrote my thesis on geothermal um, heat use in Alberta, at least, and the potential for it throughout Canada. And I think that's so cool that things are actually happening there. I love that. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of crossover with oil and gas as well, which I think is really exciting for that energy transition piece, right? If there's transferable skills there and transferable equipment either for horizontal drilling, then that's just a really big positive and an easier sell. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you see your professional self developing in the future? I feel like if you keep an open, curious mind, the learning never stops. So I'm in a new role right now and I'm I'm just orienting myself with how I can continue to develop. I'm also like a really big proponent of volunteering because I feel like you can develop a lot of skills through those different acts of services outside of just your job. And it's a really good way to create a strong community. So I, I do want to continue to volunteer um, and build my build my community and my network that way. At the beginning of the pandemic, I got onto this thing called Global Shapers, and it's a youth hub that's part of the World Economic Forum. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I've just found that really energizing because it is focused on climate change and environmental, but it's also civil rights. It's also education, and it's also urban planning. And I just feel like it is it's so intersectional and everybody that's a part of that group comes to it with such a different perspective. So I feel like I've been learning a lot that way as well. Mm -hmm. That is so great. And so are you able to do this kind of volunteering online? Because I think for a lot of people, it's in-person volunteering usually. So yeah, it is very online. It's, it's been really interesting. So the two projects that I've been involved with, one of them is, so the whole mandate of the organization is to try to further youth perspectives. And it feels kind of funny to say youth because we're kind of like butting up on the upper end of youth at this point, but yeah, <laughs> it still counts, I guess, in the eyes of the World Economic Forum. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we've been involved with two. So one of them, we were actually talking to the parliamentary secretary, uh, Ali Ahasi, and we were trying to make other opportunities for youth to be giving forward the economic recovery ideas for COVID. Um, And he's within the Ministry of Innovation and Science. So that was really interesting. And that that was all about having an online forum to bring people's ideas forward. 
And then the other project that I got to help out with bringing um, youth voices together across Vancouver was for the climate emergency action plan that the city of Vancouver put forward. So it was cool because, you know, we had the very like local Vancouver government level. And then we were also talking to federal government as well. Mm -hmm. So you have an impact kind of on the grassroots and also the higher level. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Um, And it's been, I mean, usually it would not all be online, but I guess that's part of the part of the challenge is how do you make sure that there is civil engagement in an interesting way, (laughs) Um, even during COVID. Yeah, sounds super interesting. So that's a really good tip, actually. I think, at least for myself, I really wanted to get into volunteering again now that I'm back from uh, studying abroad. And I found it was just quite tough because a lot of things, you know, you had to meet in person and then you know, events had to be postponed, meetings were postponed, and it was hard to get into it given the current COVID climate. So it's nice that you found an online opportunity. Mm -hmm. So how do you find your industry or field is adapting to the trend of sustainability? I think at its core, renewable energy is about sustainability, which is great. That being said, (laughs) I would almost, I almost feel like renewable energy is, it's becoming so much more affordable that people are starting to buy into the industry, not because of the sustainability, but because of the economics. (laughs) But I think with the trend of sustainability with renewable energy, I think that more and more people are looking for work or looking for employment opportunities that do align with their ideals of sustainability. So I think just attracting talent is a really big part of that. I have so many friends just coming out of university who, you know, that was a big question. Why? Why am I doing this? Like, why am I doing this for work? You spend so many hours in a day working. So I think that a lot of companies are are leading with value and recognizing that having sustainable practices is in a lot of people's values. I think that that's something that the industry is recognizing more and more and is being a little bit more vocal about it. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing that a lot these days, people selecting, you know, different choices based on their values and what is meaningful to them. And I think that that's really important that that's being uh, brought into the business world, too. Mm -hmm. Great. So uh, final question is, do you have any tips for someone who is starting out a job in sustainability? Yeah, I think when you're first coming out of school, it's really important to not put the pressure on yourself to land the perfect job out of school. I think that a lot of people have these really high ideals um, and it's really important just to make sure that you're moving in a direction that you want to be going in. And when you're first starting out, it's really important to cast your net very wide. So, you know, I, I ended up being an energy, but that was after quite a few smaller positions. Um, I worked in wildlife education before I've done stuff with waste management Um, There's a lot of different aspects of sustainability that you can be involved with. And I think that what's so great about when when you're first out of school is that a lot of those jobs are, you know, a contract role or 30 hours a week, or they're they're not really made out to be full-time jobs. At least that's what I found. And instead of looking at that as a disadvantage, look at that as an opportunity, an opportunity to try so many different things before you really settle on what direction you want to go on after school. Well, that's great. I think that's a really great note to end on. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anitra. 
It's been great to hear what you've been up to and to learn a bit about the experiences that brought you to this point in your professional life. Wishing you all the best and hopefully we'll connect again somewhere down the line. Okay, thanks so much, Rachel. This podcast was produced by Laura Messner, Rachel Gradine, and Olivier Rustin. This episode was hosted and edited by Rachel Gradine. We would like to thank today's guest, Anitra Paris, for sharing her professional story with us. A big final thank you goes to Jacob Rosane for providing us with the music. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Master Pods. We post new episodes every Wednesday. If you want to talk about your sustainable profession or know someone who you think should speak to theirs, please feel free to shoot us an email at our email address, info at masterpods.eu. Talk to you next week, everyone.